Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And I'm Johnny Herbert. And here we are, back from our first race of the season in real life. The second in the F1 calendar, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And it had everything, mate, didn't it? Yeah, I think pretty much. Except a real cracking race itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of them, wasn't it, Johnny? It, it promised a lot and it was yeah. an alright Grand Prix, but we were maybe expecting a little bit of a different order. Yeah, I think, I think we did. And again, you can't expect... You know, there to be an absolute cracking Grand Prix every time. Not football. Is there a great football match every time? No, there's not. So, Formula One is exactly the same. But at least we had sort of a, a mini battle with uh, Sergio and Max. And getting Sergio to win the race was very important for the championship. Yeah, the race did have talking points and that's what we're going to do today. So, here we go then as we lift the lid on the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Thanks to everyone, by the way, who's been in touch with us over the weekend. We love bringing you our thoughts on the quality and the race in our paddock pods. And great to have so many of you get in touch with your questions at Lift the Lib Pod. We'll go through as many as we can in this episode. But don't worry, if we don't get to yours, we'll be back later in the week with our team radio episode. So coming in, Johnny, who was the most famous person you met this weekend in the paddock? Because there was a few people knocking about, mate, weren't there? Yeah, met. How can I say this, Matt? Yeah, I met. I walked past Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith was going to be my one as well. I walked Is that past. meeting? Is that meeting? <laughs> He's a busy man. He was a very busy man, yes. I think he looked at me, but he didn't recognise me. Mate, if he doesn't recognise Johnny Herbert, he's not a true F1 fan. That's what I'm saying. That's very true. That's very true. So, yeah, so it was full of stars, <laughs> and it, but it was packed. In the paddock, it was packed. Yeah. It looked as if the grandstands were packed as well. There was a lot of traffic. That going on around the circuit, as you would expect, a Formula One race. But I think overall, we had a really yeah. good, really good feeling about it. And of course, all the build up to everything that happened on Friday, qualifying day, and of course, then down, down to the race. But yeah, expectations of, of what we were hoping to see didn't quite happen, did it? Other than the Aston Martin getting on the front row. Yeah, the Aston Martin, Alonso, he he kind of spiced it up a little bit, didn't he? 
Johnny, obviously, me and you kind of have experienced being in a paddock for a few years and sort of, you know, it's like a, a big travelling circus. You know, you see the same faces week in, yeah. week out when you're on the road. Who was, was there any people that, you know, you, you got to catch up with they haven't seen in a while being back in the paddock? How was how was it to just see some, some old faces and, and to get chatted and be involved in the paddock again? Well, it was great. It was great. But eventually I saw you, didn't I? I think we were there for those three days and we only saw each yeah. other right at the end of it. So, yeah, just classic where we do yeah. what we do. Post-race. Yeah, post-race, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think the, fir- the first real sort of face I'd seen, I hadn't seen in a long time and I hadn't seen him in a year. Was Lawrence Shaw really? I saw him. He, came, he turned up in his Aston Martin out front, yeah. and I hadn't seen him all last year. We kept talking about meeting up, but we never got the chance to do that. So the first first man I met, or the first person in the paddock to meet, was actually Lawrence Shaw coming in. So he said, "Yeah, come on down, come in, have a coffee. It'd be nice to see you and sit down." Did I get a chance? <laughs> I did get another chance to sit down with him. Just so busy meeting people, mingling with people taking people down the paddock for a little paddock walk. Then you're up in the hospitality, having a little chat about all things Formula One. So the time you get is so, so small. And that time you do get is so, so small only to eat. And that seems to be the only chance I, I yeah. get off, get off doing all the, all the jobs I was doing at the circuit. So saw Damon, saw Damon very briefly, saw Lando very briefly, saw Carlos. Uh, very briefly as well. I saw George actually walking through the paddock as well. So I saw a couple of the couple of the drivers during the weekend. But it's one of those things, as you know, Billy, sometimes the paddock is so small and they're all zipping across from the hospitality to where the cars are in the garage and then they zip back again into the hospitality from the garage. So it's sometimes very hard to, to catch up with the driver over the weekend. And I think we both know we're so sort of fixed in what we're doing at that weekend which is driving the car as fast as we can so we're just trying to get the car to go as fast as it can which means spending hours with your engineer yeah definitely i mean i think my most in-depth chats with the drivers other than the interviews that we had with the likes of oscar um oscar piastri and a couple of the other boys were chats when we were in the airport pre-flight out there and post-flight back we had i was on the same flight as uh, george and gasly um, so chatting to those boys in the airport was sometimes the most you get get a hold of them because they're flat out in the weekend. We're doing our thing, so it's it's all carnage in the F1 paddock. But it was I don't know about you, mate. It was nice to be back involved in the mix again. It felt good. Yeah, it did feel good. I have to say. And uh, if if you know from last year to this year, there was a big change uh, around the circuit as well. The vibe was good. I, I was very fortunate. I went to an international school uh, where we're eight years old to about. 10 to 11 something like that and uh i was there with the headmaster we had a good little chat but to what surprised me there were the majority of them if not all of them were saudi uh some indians i think were in the in the group as well so it wasn't very many brit faces british faces in the in the in the, in okay. the group but they played a video video started up with all the faces of the drivers they sort of were going through uh going through them they got to car lost and there was a bit of a and then the then child came up on screen. Then I was like, yeah. And then Max came up on the screen. That was the biggest cheer out of all the drivers. So, but again, really? but it was brilliant. That as I said, they're eight to twelve years old, and they're aware of the drivers' faces. So that just shows that things are sort of changing in a very positive way. And they, I asked one question about karting, thinking I would not get any anybody putting their hand out. So how many of you have done karting? Nearly half. So, really? so it's good because, yeah, because That's the young generation see. seems to be 
great to see. So that was really a nice, a nice thing to 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 be involved with with that with that British International School. So so again, it's just all different things, just trying to encourage, but sort of get people to sort of you know, get involved with either watching it and maybe down the line getting involved, being in the paddock uh, itself. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. As you said, it was just nice to be back in the bubble of Formula One. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um... Let's talk about the race then. Yeah, that's you know, that's what we were out there for. Let's do their qualifying, shall we, first? All because, right. Because, uh, again, I think all through, wasn't it, all through sort of Friday and even FP3 with Max, Max just seemed to be in sort of dominant form. But of course, that went a bit pear-shaped form. Yeah, he looked outrageous, mate, yeah, didn't indeed. he? And then obviously ran into some issues out there. But um, Checo steps up around the street circuit, again, didn't he, yeah. in qualifying, you know? Yeah. And that's good because he he needed to do that, didn't he? He needed to do that. Yeah, what do you think that is in Sergio that, you know, where he suits the street circuit? Because it's just, his track record's just unbelievable. Yeah. Again, if we go back a year ago, everybody was complaining about the walls being close and they got moved back, what, five metres in various places. So even when the walls are actually yeah. in their standard position and the, and the and a couple of the turns were tightened up, and he he feels at home. He doesn't seem to be. He's not intimidated by those walls. And I I remember that going to to Monaco. Because Monaco is to me was the absolute perfect, most exciting place to be in a cockpit of a Formula One car on the streets of Monaco and quali yeah. qualifying. And I think that's the exactly the same thing. I can only imagine. Yes, it is just awesome. But you've got to be comfortable with all that. Those walls being so close to you and all the fencing that's there, the lights are on uh, at the same time. And that's something that Sergio seems to be very confident in a in a in a in a track that is uh, set on, you know, basically on the streets. But but fundamentally we know probably Max would have been faster. But that doesn't matter. That's motorsport. That's yeah. the way it works sometimes. But then equally so, it's Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin, you know, getting himself on that front row. And that's where we thought, hey. This is really starting to, to turn into a, 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 a chance of us of having a great race on Sunday. And of course, Charlotte Clerk, who was second, but obviously got booted down 10 places. He was close, what was it, one and a half tenths away from Sergio? So you thought they're the ingredients are there for for us to have a bit of a, a bit of a proper show. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw, you know, the adjusted results once Charles had got his 10 place penalty and obviously Max ended up where he ended up. I thought there's no way Fernando Alonso is not coming out of turn one in the Me lead too. of this Grand Prix. You know, unbelievable at the starts, the first laps, and I thought he's going to seize this opportunity. I thought there's no way I can see Sergio getting into turn one in the lead, and obviously that proved to be true. Fernando, you know, dives down the inside, got the job done. He he's unbelievable at the minute, isn't he? He's in great form. I think it, he seems like you know moving to Aston Martin. A lot of people were thinking questioning that decision is it the right call at the minute he's got that one completely right hasn't he yeah well again it's a good base to start this sort of journey for for himself as a driver yeah we, we all know he's made a couple of bad calls in the past where things haven't quite sort of worked out for him but this has really put him right at the sharp end uh, of the of the pack of the grid he's the only one that's been on the podium in the first two races other yeah. than a red bull car so that, that kind of proves that, you know, he's the one taking the fight to him at the minute. It, it, well, it, well, this is the thing, Billy, isn't it? He's taking the fight, but he's not quite able to take the fight that, that he wants and we want because no. they have that damn 
day and age for everybody else, that couple of tents and that couple of tents, yes, it makes yeah. such a big difference. The way it looks after the tires and then the way the drivers are able to sort of, you yeah. know, get, you know, get faster and faster where Fernando, yes, he got into turn one, he did well on the first couple of laps, but then the pace sort of disappears compared to where the Red Bull just keeps going and going and going and going. So the work now was really yeah. down to Dan Fellows and his team and Aston Martin themselves to try and improve the base car that they have at the present time. Anybody else is trying to do the same thing, but I think they're on the best, they're on the best situation because Ferrari are quick over one lap, but when it comes to a race, a game like what happened on Sunday, it's just not there, is it? It just disappears. They've not got the race pace, have they, Johnny? Yeah. I mean, I, like you, and you, like you were saying about Fernando getting into the lead, how often, if you see Fernando lead at the start of a Grand Prix, does he ever give that up in you know his history? Normally, if he, he takes the lead, he's staying there to the end. So I think, like you said, it highlights how quick the Red Bull is. The fact that you know he lasted a few laps and then he didn't really you know make a big effort to defend the position because he kind of knew oh, I'm never going to be able to keep him behind yeah. for you know yeah. for the whole race. As a fan, it's a tough thing to watch, isn't it? It is, but that's sometimes, that's the smart side where you sort of go, I can't really race them, but I've got to make sure I finish second or third. Now, uh, but he was able to sort of finish yeah. third once again. But then you have to give credit to Sergio because once again, when when he's yeah. on form, you know, he's so, so consistent and very, very hard to beat. And I know there were radio calls from Max worried and worrying about a vibration, which I'm sure he was worrying about that drive shaft issue that he had in qualifying. But he still had a, such a consistent pace throughout throughout the race. So that's where if he can get that together and use that skill set that he's got in every single race that we go through this season, he's going to be a mighty challenge for for Max to be able to be able to uh, to to beat him. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that dynamic within the team will work. Will they stay sort of friendly, or will we really become quite a feisty environment to pay for those drivers and the team trying to control that yeah that's going to be interesting to to see yeah let's um whilst we're talking about you know the race and what happened should we go over our predictions mate because there's a bit there's a little bit less of a you know a little bit less weight on this one because we both went for the the same top three uh charles leclerc obviously didn't make the cut didn't make the top three how how are we separating this one because I did call Fernando Alonso in third, so I got him in the right position on the podium. Does that mean I've got an edge on you? Well, well I, I put Max third and he finished second. I put him first, so... Yeah, but he didn't finish first. Yeah, no, but we're one yeah, off. Yeah, but I'm higher up. <laughs> Fernando did finish third, though, didn't he? But I'm one off the top. He's two off the top. So ah, I must win. Ah, no shit. <laughs> Gotta be. Send it who you think. He's going to win. lift the lid yeah. pod and then we'll get the answer that way. Send in a message about that. Yeah, one. I think it's, the it's got to come down to a social media <laughs> poll. That's what we're going to do. We're I going think to get so. you guys That's involved. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get a poll. You know, do we want to give Johnny the sympathy vote or do we want to reward me like for my Fernando Alonso predictions? <laughs> yeah, third. All right. Third, Listen, come it's all down to the fans, all down to the fans. That's what, who's <laughs> controlling the outcome That's of this true. one. Johnny did tell me when he saw me in the paddock that he brought the £5 with him to Saudi Arabia in coins. But I conveniently, I when I saw him, he didn't have it on, on himself, so... That was quite handy, so I didn't have to walk through the paddock with about two kilos of coins <laughs> in my pocket. <laughs> no. Talking about 
Fernando, we've mentioned him obviously the start and what a great start he had and stuff. Should we get into this little uh, episode, I guess you could say, with the FIA that Aston Martin went through where he was on the podium, he was off the podium, he was on the podium. What did you make of all of that, mate? I mean, it was a bit of a... It just felt a bit odd, really, from my side. Yeah, no, no. Messy. You know, it's, it's, the, the thing is everyone is going to understand is the rules that are written for that sort of pit stop situation that happened are written by whom? Who are they written yeah, by, Billy? I've got no idea. They're written by the no teams. Idea. They're written by the teams. Oh, is, it a through, is that through the teams? The teams. It's the teams oh. that sort of get involved with all the rulemaking. And then when it comes up, like, it's not clear. <laughs> yeah. Involved in the making of the rules. E.g., we've made a rule that none of us really want to have. The fundamental problem was it was because the jack was touched. The car, so that's then deemed that they're working yeah, on the it car. Yeah, because the back of the car. They're not working on the car. <laughs> it's which is complete rubbish. Yeah. yeah, it's complete rubbish. I mean, there's no advantage gained there. They waited the five seconds. The jack, okay, like you say, it made contact with the back of the car, but it didn't no. lift the car up. It wasn't no. jacked up. Then you go, okay, you work. What are you working on the car for? But I think eventually the FAA got that yes. decision right. But it seemed like. You know, that, that happened so early on in the race that I just don't understand how it took, you know, nearly an hour of, you know, the race continuing for the FIA to sort of flag up, oh, there was a bit of, you know, contact with the jack yeah. there and that could be, you know, they might get penalised for that because we, as fans, you want to see the top three, that the final top three, you want to see them on the podium, you want to see them have their moment, like, if George had got the podium, would it have felt the same realistically considering he wasn't on the podium after the race? He was just getting the exactly. trophy given to him. Yeah. I mean, it just, it takes away from the drivers yeah. a bit. So I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of podiums when the result's not done and dusted, when they've got stuff overhanging. But also, Billy, this is part of the teams as well because I'm sure they would have been on the radio complaining about they noticed that that Jack had been touching the car. So again, they would have deemed it to be when they're touching the car. There you go, touching the car, because they've touched the car, they're actually working on the car. But then common sense, I think, sometimes yeah. has to come into play and say, yeah, okay, it touched, but they're not, it hasn't gone up, like you said, they haven't gone and changed the wheels or touched anything on the car itself. It's like, come on, a bit of common sense, because it just makes it look a little bit, a little bit silly and unne unnecessary. At the end of the day, he didn't need to go to the stewards at the end to everybody sort of argue and all that. It just complicates it, exactly. doesn't it? For yes. all the new fans in the sport, how are you meant to keep track of what what's going on here? When you're watching that replay, you you probably sat at home if you're a new fan to Formula One, going, "Hold on a second, I've got no idea why he's got a penalty yeah. here." Like unless you know someone zooming in and going, "Look, see how that touched that." It, it, it yeah, it all seemed a bit complicated. I'm glad we got the result we did in the end because I think so am I. The, the fact that George was saying that Fernando exactly. deserved the result as well in after the race, and you know Fernando, I I was actually thinking Fernando seemed fairly calm about the situation. Re like really, he I know he only lost out on one place when that penalty yeah. debate was going on, but yeah, he, he's definitely he seems like a new driver to me. He seems very confident and like more like just able to like stay cool calm and collected he used to be such a, like, an emotional person on the radio you'd hear him yeah, shouting screaming and, you know like swearing and stuff like that i think that yeah. side of the fernando the shetland and screaming is when things aren't going his way 
when he is frustrated and then all that True. all that sort True. of McLaren the engine was and a GP2 engine I think it was at the time <laughs> yeah. and, and it was all that and I remember that I, I was one of those who sort of was sort of a bit outspoken so I, I don't like that I never liked it because it's not nice for all the people working very very hard back at the, back at the factory or even the guys sort of in the guys and girls in the pit late and you're hearing all that going on when you're trying your damn hardest to try and sort of you know give him the best he can so i i never liked that i remember i was outspoken at the time but you're right he's come back and he's just been way more chilled uh from the the last time we saw him uh before he went to to alpine did all this sort of indycar stuff so but it's good because we all like what he does on the track you know there is a wow a wow factor yeah. to fernando when he's on the track once again at the weekend yeah, he did a he did a wild good ball race. <laughs> mate, you've got no words from me on that one, mate. You're gonna have to ride that one out by the new one. A new one. <laughs> See if it catches on. Um what about um actually the f- reason in the first place Fernando got the penalty, being slightly left of his grid box at the start line, you know? What what do you think of that rule? Because again, I'm used to, you know, watching Formula One back in the day, seeing cars like completely diagonally angled to once the inside of the track. And in my head, as long as you haven't gained an advantage by overshooting your box where you're meant to start the Grand Prix in, that that for me, I think everything else should be fair game. Yeah. As we saw with Ocon in in Bahrain, where he sort of overstepped, you know, went over by sort of about a foot and a half by the look look of it on the the screw. But, you know, that's, that's a game. I know they've got sensors and I know they've got to be within those sensors. Now, if he was out of range of the sensor is, is obviously something I'm I'm not aware of. Um, and if you are outside the sensor, of course, that yeah. jump starts very easy to do because no one can monitor it other than a, than a visual, which is what it used to be many, many years ago when I was racing. And I remember watching races in the 70s yeah. and people, used, they used to creep. They were moving before the flag was dropped back in back in the day. And, but no one could monitor it. And it yeah. Uh, visually, um, so there, there, there is a something that maybe needs to be looked at. I don't. If you're out of the box, as I said, it it only becomes a problem if you can't actually read the data coming from the car. As far as it, is it moving? Is it not moving? So, it, yeah. It, in, in, it, for me, just put it where just put it where it needs to be, and then there are no issues. Then there are no penalties. I, th- I think that's the most logical, logical thing to do. Yeah, you, true. You know, we're always going to try and gain an advantage by maybe placing it in a certain area that will maybe give us more traction off the line. Because I, I, I was aware that the yeah. drivers actually were supposed to be going around the circuit in some classic cars, and the classic cars, one of them spilt some oil on the circuit on the on the Saturday night. Now, okay. if that was a rad where Fernando was at the front of the grid, I have no idea. But I know that issue did sort of come up. I know it all got teamed off and it wasn't a problem. But once again, that could have been something that was taken yeah. into into account. But then you're risking a penalty anyway. And I know it's not the perfect scenario, but yeah. think, as we know, sometimes it's not a perfect scenario mm-hmm. in, a, in a start or on the race or, or reliability or whatever goes on. No. But just... I suppose it's just put it where it needs to be put and then you won't have a problem. Yeah, the, the fundamentals there from you, Johnny, is line up in your grid box properly. Let's not have all this faffing around. It's a faff. It, it just turns into a faff and then it just turns into a little bit of a, a sort of a negative sort of feel about it. 
you know, and then people would debate it. Oh, was it right? Yeah. Was it wrong? But if you put it in the right place, there was no debate. Okay. Um, let's move on from Aston Martin, from Fernando Alonso. Obviously, a mega weekend for him, like we mentioned. But yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about, let's just get Red Bull out of the way. But, and I say that in the nicest possible way, because <laughs> at the minute, we're just going to go, who finished first? Oh, it was Sergio this weekend. Who finished second? Oh, it was Max. But Max, that was a good drive from him. You know, he he has a quick car, granted, but he lined up 15th on the grids. You know, there's not many drivers that carve their way through the field like that and end up finishing five seconds off winning the Grand Prix from 15th. Well, you've said it all. What else can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about the issues he was having at the end, Johnny? It wasn't completely straightforward, was it? That wasn't completely, completely straightforward. But again, as you know, we're, we're very, very sensitive when we're in a race car. So if we feel any type of vibration, we never know if it's come from the tyres, has it come from the engine, has it come from the transmission, has it come from the drive shafts. He'd had a problem with the drive shafts, like I commented earlier on. So you're always going to be a little bit concerned. And I was looking at the exit of turn one and two during the race, looking down on the circuit. And I did notice Max was not using yeah. the curbs uh, in the same way that um, Sergio was. So I think he was trying to keep the car okay. out of danger as far as, you know, not trying to sort of give it extra vibrations through curbs and everything else. They're very smooth curbs, actually, in, in, uh, in the uh, Saudical niche uh, circuit, the Jedical niche circuit. But so uh, you, you, it's still when you come off a curb, it's still going to have a little bit of a bout. So I think he was just trying to take all yeah. the extra loads out of the car but again he managed it you know perfectly well and i think sergio was sometimes frustrated i think because he was i think he was asking at some points on the radio about his 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 lap times and then he was asking actually what max was doing and so so there was this the games being played by both i was, drivers. I was gonna bring yeah. that up that's the games isn't it Billy? it just seemed like to me sergio is not a hundred percent convinced that Red Bull were, you know, were playing an even game as such. He was, yeah. you know, he was being asked to slow down and then he was asking Max's lap times and he was doing the same lap time as Max. So he's like, well, am I going to slow down and back myself into Max? I, don't, I just get the impression that Sergio is not 100% convinced he's going to get everything that well, Max is going to get in a kind of way. Yeah, but I think he's worried though, isn't he? You know, he's leading a race. Yeah. Max sort of comes through, the safety car comes out, the packet gets all sort of closed up. He's able to get, what, within four seconds, I think, there, thereabouts. That was the quickest, his, yeah. the closest he got. But you're always going to be worried that if you do get closer and closer, can you trust Max? Is Max going to sort of do team orders and stay behind? I get the impression Max Verstappen, if there's a gap, he will be going it for is, it. Exactly. Yeah. Stand it from, from a from the, the other driver's uh, situation, Sergio Perez being the one at the moment, where yet you are going to be concerned that, you know, he's getting closer and closer. You're being told to do a sort of a delta time, but he's still closing the gap behind. But why is he able, why is he able to go quicker when I know I can go quicker? So I understand what he was, he was, he was saying, and thankfully nothing sort of ever got close enough for, ever, for that ever to be sort of something that he had to deal with. He didn't have to deal with it in the end. So... Good on him for getting the win. Yeah. I like the reaction from him, though, John. Yes. It was, it was good to see him actually fighting his, his corner in that sense and not just going, oh, yeah, I'll do the Delta time, and then the race turning into something it didn't need to be. It was good to see Sergio have that, that mindset of, no, this is my yep. race. I qualified on pole. I've done the job so yep. far. You know, if I can do this lap time, 
like this is the pace I've got. I'm going to keep doing yeah. that unless you, you know, unless something else says, suggests otherwise. And we we have got a question into the podcast. Well, that's what yeah, thought we have. Go on there. And this is from Alex, and this is about Verstappen's dad's reaction at the weekend. And he's asked, "Do you think Verstappen's dad's reaction at the weekend was telling of the relationship between the two Red Bull drivers?" Well, I, could, I didn't think it was as I, did, I didn't think it was as bad as I've seen. I've seen it much worse than. That. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with you. I didn't think I didn't really read anything into no, it. No, but it was rude. It was a little bit rude. You can actually yeah. sort of said, say, "Well done." put his arm on him or something like that or shook his hand or something yeah. like that yes in, a, in a look him in the eye but that's that's something I suppose you expect from from Yoss I suppose you know I like Yoss but Yoss has that sort of little edge to him always did as a driver we sit now more as a dad and of course he's passionate but he wants his son uh, to win as many races as he, as he possibly can but that's just a sign of frustration that sometimes he shouldn't show the world ish and I don't think he should be so rude towards Sergio as well. You know, be respectful because, you know, Sergio is a, is a good yeah. guy. I mean Sergio when it comes to being a good teammate, he's he's done plenty yeah, of, you exactly. know, things out of his way that for Max in his career. I'm thinking particularly back to Abu Dhabi that year where he really backed Lewis up and, you know, yeah. brought Max back into the frame. Like that stuff that you know you're meant to you you know in certain scenarios you're meant to do as a teammate, but not everyone would would have done it the way he did it. He really got his elbows out, backed Lewis right up into Max. You sure. know, probably gave him about three or four seconds on that occasion. So yeah, yeah. No, I think um, Sergio's done a good job as a teammate, and he's done what he's asked on a lot of yeah. occasions. So I think it's nice. It would be yeah, you know, like say nice to make sure that's reciprocated the other way when he does a good job and you've got. A, shake his hand and congratulate him in the, yeah, the proper manner. Yeah, I know. But, I, but I've seen Yoss before. And again, we actually saw it in qualifying, actually, when when uh, Max had his issue. They, they were showing Yoss in the in the pit garage and he basically just took off the, the head the, the head defenders of the radio and he, and he disappeared out the back. And I've also seen him, I think it was last year, to come up where it was, where something happens. I can't remember if it was qualified or race. One of the two, anyway. And I remember seeing him getting really happy. I remember him taking off headphones and then slamming them on the desk and then slept walking out the back. So that's... Toto Wolf yeah, style. Yeah, that's, that's sort of what, you know, Yoss is very emotional from that point of view. When something does go wrong with his son on the circuit, if a camera goes on him, you'll, you'll know there's going to be a reaction from him that way. But yeah, on, on that yeah. front, be, yeah, be respectful. I think that's been, that, that'd be your best way. Okay, great. So... We've yeah, talked about Alonso yes. Red Bulls and when we come back from this quick ad break, we'll talk more about Lewis and Mercedes weekend. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So welcome back to the podcast. Johnny, mate, we've talked about, you know, the Red Bulls, the Aston Martin of Fernando Alonso, you know, the, the usual of trio that have finished on the podium at the first two races. So I think we can see them free on the podium on a few more occasions. But what about Mercedes? What about Lewis Hamilton? What went wrong for him at the weekend? Because, you know, he he was he qualified a chunk off George for a start and never really managed to, to set the world on fire in the race. Do you think he's in a good frame of mind? Do you think he's just not... What do you think's going on for him? Is it just the pure issues with the car? He's not on top of it yet? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's bring a question in right at the top of this. Okay, let's do this. it. Let's do that. Angela Cullen. So, the news about Lewis and Angela was a surprise. Why do you think he made the decision now? And that's from Matt. And that, you know, is is a is a big deal. You know, she's uh, always been part of... He's uh, been a trainer, and of course, the driver-lake relationship has been very close between those yeah. two as well. The driver-trainer relationship is is really important, isn't it, Johnny? Because, oh, you know, these people, they're not just your trainers. You know, for a bit of context, they fly around the world, you know, with their drivers. You know, they're with them for 23 weekends a year, plus in between races, plus they end up training them, you know, in pre-season training camps and, you know, giving them stuff to do through the off season so Angela I'd probably say has been someone who's probably seen more of Lewis in the last six seven years than than anyone has anyone. to a certain extent she's yeah. you know been attached every time the the TV footage cuts to her she's you know chasing him down the paddock when he's on his scooter and always by his side so yeah it is it, it I, I don't know about you but it is a strange you know it was a strange so they're two races into the season to have that new sort of break and come out of nowhere yeah, I know. So, so, so I know. I'm sure that would have affected him in 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 one way. Now, the whole story, we're not exactly exactly sure, but I think you know the the closeness has been something that's been very important to to Lewis for sure. He's, you know, you, as a driver, yeah. I think we always have to be comfortable in everything that sort of is going on around us. And like you said, Billy, it's it's, yeah. it's important that you have someone to talk to. You have someone who understands you. You have someone who understands what to do when you need it as well. And also when yeah. you don't need it, you know, it's all these little ingredients that you've got to get this all within the right framework to be able to get in the car and do the, the job on the circuit. Natural talent for Lewis and Max and Senna and Prost and everybody else, you know, you know, in the, in the past, but these modern guys, they need exactly the same, the same help uh, to get there. And that they are special a very special breed of drivers, but if all those little tiny little ingredients make them even better and even stronger and tougher 
for the other drivers to be. So, it's just someone to vent to, isn't it? A as, trainer as well. at one stage as or well. another. Because, you know, we hear on the radio and, you know, we've heard remarks from, from Lewis sort of, you know, not necessarily, well, kind of firing shots a little bit at people back in the factory saying the car isn't where it needs to be and people yeah. haven't listened to him as such. But sometimes that can be quite damaging when you're sending those messages directly to the team. Or if you've got someone like an Angela there that you can go into your driver room and you can vent your frustrations at her knowing that, you know, whatever you say, she knows, you know, to take with a pinch of salt and she knows you as a character and probably knows that you don't mean it, but, you know, you just want to get something off your chest. Like, I think that's important because if you don't have that outlay, that person that can kind of handle those frustrations, it can creep into the team dynamic on a bigger picture and... And that can be that could be a tricky one to manage for Lewis. So yeah, yeah, sure. interesting to see what happens around that. We always have to remember Angela's got two children as well, so she travels a lot. Yeah. So maybe it's you know it's got something to do with that, very possibly. Anyway, we we don't really know that. But I think at the end of the day, with all that going on with Angela, it's also what's going on on track because yeah, George wants they're to not where they want to be. No, well, yeah, but George in qualifying has been the faster man. And that is something that he's probably yeah. not comfortable two two. with. Yeah, he's not comfortable with that. So it's all these little things that start to sort of sort of um, sort of work work your mind in a in a way that hey, it hasn't happened in the last years. He's being sort of eaten up by him, isn't he, a little bit, yeah. it feels well he's had domination. You know, he's had all that time. Yeah, that big fight obviously with uh, with uh, Nico as his teammate, and then he's had the battles, obviously, with Max in more recent times. But now it's his teammate who's becoming sort of a, a consistent, and this is the thing, Valtteri was very, very, you know, and is very, very quick, but he only happened sort of two, two, two three times. George, I think when George, uh, when Lewis looks in his mirror, he's always there. He can't, he can try to shake yeah. him off, but he looks in his mirror again, and he's still there. So, so this is a real interesting time for for us as fans to watch this relationship between uh, George and Lewis develop because we've got one who's probably peaked, I suppose, in many respects, and you've got the, the, the other one, the younger one, who's on his way to his peak, but he started at a very good base at the moment. Do you think it's interesting that you just mentioned about, um, about drivers peaking there, Johnny, because, you know, you look at Fernando and what he's doing now when you'd say... Is he driving in some of the best, you know, races and best laps that he's done in his career? You know, is he is he upping his level with with age? Is he getting better with age? So, do you, you know, Lewis is obviously younger than Fernando. Do you think that he's still got more to give that he can, you know, get even better, or do you think he, in his mind, he's at his best and he's just trying to hang on to that for a few more years? Yeah, it's again a peak is a difficult one, but I think there is a there is the, the the full potential is there. I think the the thing that is 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 the hardest thing to do is keep that peak going. It's how long you can keep it at, at your very very best. And I think Lewis has been able to do that for for many many years. And Fernando, it's all yeah. been a bit up and down. He's at those sort of times where things haven't quite gone gone the right way. So he's been frustrated with that. If you're if if you've got that fire in your belly. I think that allows me to go further. I remember Nigel Mansell, you know, he had a lot of difficult times. He should have won the World Championship back in 96, I think it was, when he had that tie blowout in Adelaide. Uh, but he never won the World Championship until he was 41, when he was at Williams 
but he had that fire in his belly to carry on pushing himself going. and keep on going. So I think Fernando's definitely got that. Lewis has got that for sure. But there's always going to be a crossover for the next generation. And I think yeah. you're seeing the next generation as in George against the, the man that has, you know, been so good for Formula One, the seven-time world champion. And that crossover is coming. It's, but it's not just George. It is uh, Leclerc and, let's say, Saints. It is Max. And it is Lando as well and all the other young young drivers that are there. But they're the, they're the next they're the next generation and they're only going to get better and better. And it, and it always is. If I go back to probably louder and then I go to center and Prost and then I go to now, the drivers now are better than what those guys were just because, not because they're better, but just because they've got more information at hand to, to be able to yeah. deliver what they do in the cockpit with these very, very complicated cars. And that's where this, 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 simulation i was talking about this the, the gaming simulation sort of world that we live in at the moment is benefiting the likes of max the likes of george the likes of Charles and lando etc because it's a it's another set of information that we never had emerson you know louder never had any of that you'd have a mobile phone when he started his racing for example so things just <laughs> things change but the core of it is exactly the same. But it's how you can absorb all that information and then apply it to to the race car itself. And that's why I think there was just this crossover happening. You know, Lewis is driving still brilliantly at the moment. So if he's, he's driving sort of okay, he's still driving brilliantly. But George, you know, yeah. is 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 pretty mighty at the same time. They're not they're not they're not seconds apart. They're they're sort of hundreds and thousands apart. So it's 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 just very competitive. Yeah, it's little details. And I think also in, in the back of my mind, when I look at Lewis, I think he always rises to the challenge exactly, when he's got well. a car that's capable of winning. Good point. I think he finds more in himself. I think yeah. the fact that he knows that even if he nails the best half of his career, he's probably going to be looking at the second row, maybe even like, you know, fifth or sixth on the grid. Yeah, true that, that can't be a That can't be the sort of, ingredients to unlock the best in Lewis Hamilton, not yeah. in my opinion. No, so very briefly, Billy, then. Go on. Can they turn it around this year? Here's your question. Can they turn it around? I don't see them winning a Grand Prix for a very long time in this in this season. I think so if they like... do, it will be similar to last year. It will be, you know, maybe an outlier of a race at Brazil like George had last year where the car suits the track. But it's, it's going to be tough to actually yeah. see that becoming a reality. And it's it's a sad situation to be in, but you know that's that's where Mercedes are at right now. So difficult season coming up, I think for them. Yeah, I think so. I was going to just just chuck in the hat about McLaren's weekend. You know, we've we've mentioned Lando a little bit. He had a weekend to forget. You know, sticking it in the wall and qualifying, and you know, damaging the car so he couldn't continue. Oscar Piastri, though, um, I know the race on Sunday did not go his way. You know, at all, but. I was impressed with the Saturday from from Oscar. That was that was a strong performance in that McLaren. Well, it, well actually, I think we have to go back to Bahrain. It wasn't far off of Lando, but of course we never saw it because mm -hmm. obviously the issue that that he had there. So, but yeah, you're right. It was a really good, solid weekend. But for reason the qualifying, but just a great performance for qualifying. You know, really getting get himself into yeah. that into that top ten was just brilliant for. Not just Oscar, but McLaren as well, because obviously they've had a bit of a 
bit of a mare to the start of this season, Bahrain going all sort of a bit peaked on. And then this time around, getting a, another a car into the top 10 was really, really promising. But the race, sort of, as you said, didn't really happen. But no, I've been impressed with Oscar because we all know how good Lando is. And the interesting thing yeah. for me was his, actually the performance in the race because the two McLarens were having a good old fight with Logan Sargent right near the end of the race. I was about to say, there was a action going yeah. on there, wasn't there? And it, was, and it was brilliant. Which is good to see. It was brilliant to see. And, it was, and, it, was, and it, was, it was interesting because it was actually Oscar who got the better of Lando and then right at the, the, the end he pipped uh, Logan uh, as well. But the water were racing was yeah. really interesting because they, but all three of them were very good at placing the car in a bit of an awkward position to try and stop the guy behind from overtaking. But Oscar was able to get past Lando. Yeah, it was good clean racing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he went around the outside of Norris, I think going into turn one once. I think maybe Lando slipped back and front. Yeah, I think you're right. Had the inside for turn two. Mm, but it was it, yeah. was it was a brilliant race. But again, Oscar really raised, raised to it when, uh, when he needed. So, so this is going to be another... Interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pre-season hype around Oscar, yes. wasn't there, in terms of the rookies. You know, everyone was expecting big things. And I think so yeah. far, you know, Bar like we say Bahrain didn't quite as go his way, but in Saudi we saw glimpses of, you know, someone who could challenge Lando more regularly, which is what McLaren wanted. They want someone who, you know, can get the same out of the car that Lando was able to last yeah. year. You know, Danny Rick couldn't quite find that. So looks like they've got a strong lineup. Just um a quick, some quick mentions about you know the last few boys that ended up in in the points. We had Ocon and Gasly, so double points yep, for Alpine. They seem to be back. To be honest, I think you know they ended up finishing eighth and ninth. I think they probably would have hoped for maybe a, a little bit more than that because on the Friday and going into qualifying, they looked they looked strong, didn't yep, they? Yeah, they did look strong. Um, but it, I think it's once again when everybody sort of is in their race modes. That's when we sort of see everybody sort of yeah. And they turn, turn up the way there before, but overall, you're right. Getting both cars in the in the points is is good for them, you know. And they the base of that car looks quite good, I think. On circuit, it doesn't look too bad at all. It doesn't have any little bad traits in any way. So I think drivability yeah. of it is very good. Now it's just doing that little bit of development to try and just get themselves closer to the to the Ferrari and, and the Mercedes, which are not it's not a million miles away for them to be able to challenge it. Probably more in a race situation than maybe in a in a qualifying. But then Ocon did do well in qualifying, to be perfectly honest, as well. So the car's got speed. Just needs that tiny, tiny bit more to start changing Ferrari Mercedes. Yeah, and finally, last one in the points, Kevin Magnussen. Hasses, yeah, you know, his first points of the season. Good to see K-Mag up there because yeah. uh, in terms of the qualifying results, you know, Nico Hulkenberg, he's had the edge so far since, you know, coming back into the support. And I think it seemed like to me, looking at Kevin Magnussen's interviews after the race, that there's a, there was a bit of relief there from his side that, okay, I'm getting a little bit outperformed on Saturdays, but it's nice that I'm able to bag a point and, you know, uh, do the job on the Sunday where it counts. So it, that's going to be an interesting little battle there, isn't it, between those two? Yeah, it, it is. And, and you're absolutely right with, with, with Nico. Nico, it's been a nice surprise for me that he's been able to outperform. Okay, only two races so far, but outperform Kevin. Because I thought Kevin did a yeah. brilliant year last year, so you always think well that confidence is going to be yeah. carried, carrying through. But Nico, it's he's really made it difficult for Kevin. But the race on Sunday, yes, uh, Kevin did very very well. He had Nico in his mirrors. It was really only those two fighting for that final, final tenth uh, place. But 
yeah, Kevin had the pressure of Nico and his mirrors all the way through that, especially their latter part of that race, but he dealt with it as you always expect Kevin to do. So for Haas, it's a, yeah, getting that final point, I think, is a is a good positive. But it's a good positive for the team, having those two drivers who are pretty much similar speed. speed uh, yeah, they're neck and neck with each other. They're pushing yeah, the team along, yeah, aren't they, they mate? Are, which is really good. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of, you know, most of the points covered there, mate, so. about the, the, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. There's a lot to talk about from that race. And... Um, and yeah, that's that's what we want to do, don't we? So I've had a lot of fun yeah. there, sort of doing a little debrief with well, you. Well, it's always good because we, we, yeah, we can go in depth, can't we? We can go in depth with it, which is really nice, and get our bit of experiences in it as well. So had fun again, Billy. Had fun again. Yeah, more more of the same, mate. More of the same. Loving the the new podcast. Me so too. we'll be back later in the week with our team radio episode, and that's where we're going to answer your questions. So. If there's anything that you want to know, please get in touch with us. Ask your questions at Lift the Lid Pod. Thanks for being with us on our Saudi Arabian adventure this weekend. And don't forget, give Lift the Lid a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your boss, your teacher about us, and please give us a little review wherever you get your pods. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Ryan Wilkinson and Andy Bell. Catch you guys next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.